Hey out there, welcome to another runner profile for the Hurricane 100K, the inaugural Hurricane 100K coming to you on September 10th, 2022. On behalf of the MMTA events team, my name is Matt Young and that's Ashley, Brandon, Hager, Stewart, Robert, Vanessa, and we are so excited to have this first 100K coming to you. And this is a solo 62 miles and also have a relay team, co-ed, all male and all female. We have $7,500 up for grabs in this race. So all of this is made possible by a host of local businesses and sponsors, including our title sponsor in the city of Hurricane, Mayor Scott Edwards, who put up the $7,500 for the prizes, and also our friends from Little Caesars, wonderful community sponsors, which also means that there will be plenty of hot and ready pizza at the finish waiting for everybody. It's going to be a good time. Can't wait to have you out there for it. Registration is open. Get signed up. I'm super excited tonight to get this runner profile started. And we actually, you'll see, this is runner's profile. We have our first team signed up. This is team Purge and Move On. They were not only the first team to get registered for it, they are the team to beat in the co-ed category. So, again, this is our first relay team. So the relay is set up to do 20 miles each. And for these, um, this is the team, the team Persian Move On is near and dear to my heart. The team Persian Move On actually is a name that we've been using for a few years now. Maybe we'll get to that story later on. So the, first of all, it is made up of Hall of Famer, Cody Smar. See him in your lower left-hand corner. <laughs> Next is Aaron Blake, the man who's been sniped by none other than Chuck Norris in his very first 100K. And then also, drumroll please, the lovely and talented Anne-Marie Young. She is also stronger than Liquid Wrench, and she is mad at me for making her do this. So <laughs> we're going to have a great time with this. We've skipped the illustrious introductions because this is a team of just everyday folks. So they have all have experience in racing, all experience in running long distances, but they are just everyday, everyday folks getting it done. So we've got a few questions for you guys. Thank you all for being here with me. And we're going to start with you, Cody. So we're going to play a little game. This thing, this is all about fun, all right? So we're going to have a good time. Everybody smile, tell some stories, and we're going to have a good time doing this. So Cody said, we're going to play a game of high-low with you, Okay. So we're going to ask you to share, when it comes to all long distance running, ultra running, your low moment, your high moment, and what you've learned from both of those cases. Oh, man. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, let's, let's, let's start with the low because that one's easy for me and jumps right out. So we'll rewind a bit here to Highland Sky 2010. Um, a little bit of background on me at that time I was in, uh, finishing up or in my last year of pharmacy school. Um, and at that time in my life, weightlifting was king. So these are important details, um, as I get towards the end of this low story, but weightlifting was king. I had run, I think two five K's and one five mile road race. And um, I had some friends approach me, some trail runner friends approach me and say, let's do this 40 mile race. And so this, this should tip, you all know this story, but this should tip the whole world off here. And I said, 
let's do it. What's the big deal? You know? <laughs> so here I am. Weightlifting is, is king in my life. And I, I ran a five-mile road race. So what's the big deal about 40 miles, which Highland's got 40 miles through West Virginia wilderness? So I said, let's do it. it I, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. I could certainly complete the task. So I did uh, minimal training, if you could even call it that. I think I had um, maybe one long 20-mile run, of which uh, I cramped the last probably five miles and barely made it back. Um, <clears throat> so I had that under my belt going into this race and a whole bunch of weightlifting, which, which was going to be useless for me out there. So I towed the line nonetheless. And if, if we honestly, if we had the picture of me finishing, it would, it would tell this whole entire story better than I'm going to tell it. But basically, um, it went horrendously for me. The whole first 20 miles were okay, but the last 20 miles were terrible. It's so bad, in fact, that I messed up my IT band to the point where after this, I didn't run for probably eight or nine months. So without a doubt... Um, not even just a low point in that race, the whole second half or 20 miles was one gigantic low point. Uh, nearly the entire race was a low point for me, but I did finish it. I was able to push um, and finish to the end, um, but not without seriously injuring myself. So if we can pause there for a second before I go into my high and just talk about what I learned from that was there was no, there's no place for that kind of pride in ultra running. And I learned probably one of the most valuable lessons uh, from that low was how important training is like actually training for your running and taking, taking that training seriously. So that was um, hands down the biggest low, but I learned a lot from it, that there's no space for pride in ultra running. And the humble approach is certainly going to work significantly better than my approach in that situation, because you're going to train better. You're going to listen to other people. You're going to seek advice uh, and pay attention uh, before you sign up for a 40 mile race, just thinking that what's the big deal? Well, you'll find out pretty quickly if you don't do some of those things that it's pretty daggone difficult. So that, that the low is a lot easier than the high. I don't have the um, illust illustrious running career that you have, Matthew. So I don't, I don't have uh, near as many highs to pick from, but it's still difficult um, after Highland Sky to pick out a high um, because you know, what I learned from that race and took forward is I've since then I've had a lot of really good races and really good moments. But I would say uh, when me and you went up uh, and did Cape in 2021, last July, in the sweltering heat, we uh, I, I did a personal best 45 miles in the in the 12 hour event. So that's what Cape is is 12 hour running event where basically you do a five mile loop as many times as you can as often or as little as you want to in 12 hours you got this window to do as little or as much as you can on this loop 
So for me, that ended up being 45 miles, which was a personal best for me. Um, and I certainly uh, was very excited uh, about that and also was able to learn some things from that high, from that, that day. As we dealt with heat, we dealt with thunderstorms, um, just the grind of being out there for 12 hours, the, all the planning and the nutrition that's involved in all that. Um, after I think about it, it's really, you encounter so many things throughout the day um, that you have to, at times, really work hard to shove out the negative and focus on what's going right. And so I would say from that high, which wasn't too long ago, is I learned that there's no space for pessimism in ultra running. <laughs> so unless, of course, it's positive pessimism, which a good friend of mine, Rick Workman, taught me all about. Um, if we, if we get, in, get into that, we can. Uh, at some point in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Give us an example of some positive pessimism that, that might have come out on, on a day like that. Okay, so um, pessimism in ultra running is no good because you're focusing on the, the negative, and when things are hard anyway, you need to be focusing on the positive, especially if you're going to be out there for 12 hours. But there is a type of pessimism, positive pessimism, that is actually quite hilarious and helpful. So an example of positive pessimism would be, let's say your conditions are, are frigid cold, 16 degrees, or maybe not quite that cold, but also wet or freezing rain. So those are two negative things. But what positive pessimism does is it takes one of those negative things leaves it in its place, but then it takes the second negative thing and get, puts a positive spin on it. So the example would be, it may be freezing outside, but at least it's raining kind of thing. So <laughs> you got two negative things. The second thing is still negative, but you're saying it from a heart of positivity. So right. something along the lines of, it's cold outside, but at least I'm wet. Or something, something to that effect. So, you can, as you can imagine, especially a 12-hour day in the heat, we encountered thunderstorms for the last couple hours or so, uh, kind of thing. There was, there's always in ultra running in general. There's always plenty of opportunity for positive pessimism, and it's it's super helpful. Um, but to finish up the high. Uh, that was to this point was probably my high, and it taught me a lot about. Um, pessimism and how it has no space in ultra running and how it's super important to um, bite these things off a little bit at a time and focusing on the positive. So I have a low that taught me there's no space for pride in ultra running and I have a high that taught me there's no space for pessimism in ultra running. And it's changed my training one, I actually train now, um, and take training very and take training very seriously. And since becoming friends with the four of you or the three of you and others, um, I'm forced to take it much more seriously at times. 
than I would like to. And I also have um, the beauty of community and approaching things in a humble way to the point where I listen to other people, take their advice. Um, and overall, it, it improves me. So I'm training now and approaching things more humbly and focusing on the positive things, the things that are going well, as opposed to the negative. You know, and that positive pessimism actually is quite fun while you're out there. I mean, you know, that last year, the past two years when we did it, it was like, it's 97 degrees, but at least there's no shade right now. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's 95, but at least the humidity is 100%. <laughs> yeah. so, That's um, it. I'm really tired, but at least I'm throwing up at the same <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I wish you talked about the pictures, man. I went back in the in the in the um, in the annals of, of Highland Sky history, and and I still remember this. Like I didn't know you in 2010, but uh, after the race, I was kind of looking through the pictures, and and here's this. Everybody's seen it before. You know, you seem like the bodybuilder, you know, football <laughs> neck sort of thing. Here's Cody shirtless at the finish line. You know, just like a he looked like a bodybuilder with that. With that short neck, you know, trying to, and I just thought, who is this chump? <laughs> he certainly doesn't look and, like and he belongs. I think he had a red bandana on, if I'm not mistaken. And oh, so I, probably. I really wouldn't have been able to find that picture. It was, it, it's priceless. I would have had to like blurt out, you know, because, you know, it, it's inappropriate for this type of, you know, broadcast. Yes. Um, without everything, but oh, so much. So much fun that I met you later and figured out you're, you know, you're, you're a pretty good dude overall. But it, it took a while, actually, to come <laughs> around to that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you made an end, certainly, but um, there is certain there, – there's there are a lot of people that, you know, to train for runs, there's nothing like, there's nothing like running. And really to get the demands of that long, whether it's 20 miles or 40 or 100K, man, there's – Strength is important, you know, keeping up um, your bodily strength and your aerobic strength, but there's nothing like running to prepare you for long distance run, especially your structural system, which is where all the breakdown comes in. And it's not just, it is definitely, it's a mental discipline, which we're going to talk about later, but there are physical, physiological laws at work here. Your body has got to be prepared to handle the rigors of that many steps in one day. That's about 100,000 steps you end up taking. If you're not used to that, it'll hurt. So, good, man. Thank you for – thanks for the, the highs and the lows. And you definitely train a whole lot better now than you used to. Yeah, for sure. Aaron, AB, man, listen, you, you are – on to you. You're a busy man. You're an engineer with a, with a demanding career. You've raised two boys that are – active in sports and in school, plenty of late nights, helping with homework, and you're in a band and active with your church. You've been married for 24 years. I was going to say demanding career and a demanding wife, which I just did. That's just... Oh, don't say that. Watch out. She'll, she'll be... Well, I've already said it. She'll be mad at me regardless anyways. It's just it's just a little fun anyway. So, of so you, have, you still have time to train for all this. And, and a lot of times what you find is people ask the question all the time is, you know, how do you balance the running with your work and with your family? And, and it's one thing also to do it maybe like once, you know, to kind of have a one and done type um, event where you do a 50K or a marathon. But 
But you've been doing it consistently for, for several years now. And so the question for you is, man, how do you, how do you balance all that? And then what's the advice that you, that you give to people about managing both expectations for yourself and for the event and for your family and all of those things? Yeah. Um, well, I think prioritization is, let's look at the, the 10,000 foot level. Um, first and foremost, my relationship with Christ and my responsibilities there. And then under that, I have my family and my friends and then my work. I have a great job and it's, it's meaningful in itself. And then running is down below that. Running can complement those things. They can each complement each other. But, um, you know, I know where it belongs and I know that I'm not going to be an elite podium uh, attendee. And I'll, I'll preface all this to say you have crossed the street from Globo Gym over to Average Joe's in a hard, hard <laughs> way tonight. <laughs> because uh, the training, like Cody said, I train to finish. I train to, to accomplish goals, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be the winner. And so that's, I think that's part of the understanding. I know what my abilities are and I want to push myself to, to get better at things and train better and, and finish better. Cause I've had rotten finishes, but I finish. Um, but you know, that's, uh, um, I forgot one of the prioritizations below running is, is, is carbs. <clears throat> I love the pizza. I love the pepperoni rolls. I love the biscuits. <clears throat> so how do you mix all those things together? Um, you know, it, it still requires um, in, in, in that, in that level for running this, the, the discipline that comes with getting up in the morning and, and figuring out I need to run in the morning before I go to work. I don't have time. A lot of times at, at lunchtime um, or certainly in the evening when this that's kind of dedicated for the family time. So if I'm going to get it, most of it's going to be before anyone gets up in the morning. And then, um, and then also setting realistic goals and, um, you know, getting, uh, I like spreadsheets. I like to track, I like to, to plan my training and, and also put a, uh, plan together for my races and um, a lot of times I'll have a, a little laminated <laughs> piece of a spreadsheet in my pack trying to figure out you know I've already done the homework to know when I, uh, I want to hit my splits and where I can be fast and where I need to to pull back and conserve and um, that's part of the fun and the challenge of it for me so yeah, that's maybe that in a nutshell so, so you just you just finished a fifty-five k just last weekend, and you know. So, to how do you? Or what what was your average since you're keeping spreadsheets? I know you know this. Like, you know, how many miles are you getting in on a weekly basis, and then what were you doing for your long runs, and how do you get those in? Because that that's one of the toughest things I think for most people to do is is to take a half a day or three or four hours or whatever it is, and get those long runs in but they're absolutely necessary so what what did that look like for you as far as weekly mileage and then and then what those long runs look like yeah so i guess part of let's go back to prioritization for a second priority prioritization for me and for for my family to allow me to get those long runs in uh have to have to connect and um 
I think weekly, probably for the last 11, close to 11 weeks, I was probably around 30, 35 miles uh, a week. And, you know, my longest run was 21. And typically my Saturdays are my long run days. And if I get something in on the Sunday, it would be uh, shorter as a recovery run. But um, I've come to value the rest days. You know, Monday and and uh, a lot of our running has been together. But for our viewers, Tuesday is our hard day. Um, Wednesday is our Chris Good loop. Thanks, Chris Good. You get us out of bed extra early so we can accommodate your run schedule. Uh, Thursday's easy on the trails. Uh, for me, I would typically take Friday off to rest up for a long day on Saturday. And then, you know, that has been a pattern that I have found works pretty good for me that I feel rested. It's like I can perform well. I don't, um, you know, I can enjoy my runs. I'm not, there's, you know, obviously the hard day on Tuesday, whether it be hills or track work or, or even the, the long day on, on um, Saturday, uh, I can still enjoy it. And it's not right. painful and I don't regret going out. And, and I can focus on a lot of times with you guys and some other friends of ours, you know, that uh, I enjoy being out with my, with my running crew. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I uh, plan my runs and um, my training for that. And, you know, um, so, so this 55K last weekend, we, our families went together. So you ran the 55K and Anne-Marie ran too, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I asked you um, going into, you know, it, Actually, it was that the day before? You know, what, what's your goal for this? What are you trying to do? And and your answer was to be in good shape, so I'm not a mess for Julie at the finish line. Julie's life, <laughs> and because that's not always been the case. There there've been severe cramps. There've been time of of purging, and and the whole goal was this was a weekend away. Uh, yes, we're running, but it is about enjoyment for our families. And for our spouses, more than more than anything else, and so the performance was going to sacrifice so that you could have a good finish and not be a mess at the finish line too. Because a lot can happen. You end up getting warm that day, and you know as you get warm in your run, man, your stomach can can turn south. And so that was the objective for you, which which I thought was great. And and by the way, to everybody listening, you did actually accomplish that too. <laughs> yeah, that. That was a screwy day. The weather, I think it started at 45 degrees up on the hill and got to close to 82. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, my, my number one goal was to not be a disaster at the end of the day. <laughs> it's a good goal, man. It's a good goal. And, that, and that's not always the case for everybody, too. So, so we did get a text from, <coughs> excuse me, midweek that he was on uh, the tour to Biscuit and he'd already been to McDonald's and the Hardee's and to, to tutors and was on his way to Susie's to, to kind of hit the, the quadruple crown of biscuits in our area. So that, that's one of, the, one of the nice things that happens afterwards. You get a week off and you, you've earned some, some empty calories and go for it. So Yeah, I'll, I'll write a trading plan one of these days and uh, 
how to run an ultra on a biscuit, at least one biscuit a week. <laughs> well, it's just your typical training plan, so you could probably go with that. So, all right, thank you, Anne Marie. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. All right, uh, we'll keep this we'll keep this easy for you. But you know, you so we just already mentioned this. You you just finished your first fifty miler. You've done several fifty k's, sixty k's, fifty miler, and and we coach together in Genesis Running. And the big part of what we do is we are teaching the mental aspect. Running is a physical activity, but it is a mental pursuit. And learning to manage your life, your thought life in training and in racing when it gets tough is absolutely vital. You know, I was sitting in on a, on a podcast recently and, and, and it was talking about the mental aspect of running. And, you know, the question that, he, that the um, presenter said that you have to ask yourself always is, before the race, you have to ask yourself, under what conditions am I going to quit? Under what circumstances and conditions am I going to quit? And I listen to it and I go, none. Under no circumstance am I going to, am I going to quit? And, and so you go into that, but you have to go into that with that thought. But at the same time, when you're out there, you, you try to come up with a hundred reasons why this is no longer a good idea, right? And because of all the things that happens, but you fight through those things. So for you, what have you learned over the years? What do you teach of dealing with the mental aspects, specifically those negative thoughts that come in during a race? Yeah, you know, I mean, the struggle's real. We all deal with it um, in one way or another, and it never goes away. I mean, I think each race is different. You, all, you always have something that might be in your mind that you're dealing with, struggling with. Um, so what I've, I've found too over the years is your mind can make or break you out there. So the mental training of this is key, um, for sure. And one of the things that I always try to do is just to keep positive thoughts flowing. Um, you know, in longer events, when you're out there for long periods of time, um, it's common to go through highs and lows. And when you hit those lows, that's when the negative thoughts are going to start coming. That's when, um, you know, doubt comes in, anxiety comes in. Um, so that's when you try to just replace those negative thoughts with something positive, like immediately you have to break that cycle. So if you, if you let your mind go down that negative path, it just turns bad real fast. I think we've probably all experienced that at some point. Um, but the good thing is when you do hit those lows out there, um, they're only temporary. So the best thing to do if you, if you find yourself in that spot is, um, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, make those positive thoughts, keep flowing through your mind one step at a time toward that finish line, because that's your goal. And, um, you know, just break that cycle of negative thoughts. So I think that's one important thing is just um, just to keep those positive thoughts flowing when you're out there so that that cycle doesn't start. And, and um, you know, the alternative to that is you stay in that negative cycle then um, your experience can just either become miserable, you give up on yourself, you know, um, and then you have the pain of regret. So that's the last thing that you really want to have out there is the pain of regret. So it's really just to keep those positive thoughts flowing um, when you're out there is, is one thing. Um, go ahead. 
<laughs> well, so, so let me ask you, I mean, give us, give us something that, that you think, I mean, what are those positive thoughts that, that helped you? Like even, even this last in the 50 miler, I mean, you, you were smiling every time we saw you, but what were some things that were going through your head to keep it positive while you're out there? Cause it didn't go, you, you had some trouble. You had some trouble with the knee. You fell at mile 15 and got scraped up. And, uh, so how, how did you deal with that? Give us some examples of that. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. You know, I, I think, you know, going in on a, on the starting line, even when, if you're struggling with something leading up to it, like I was, or, you know, things happen out there, the race day is never going to be perfect. So you have to expect that. Um, but I always try to kind of look at it as, um, I don't know, in, instead of like, how am I going to accomplish this today? I, I try to get to that starting line and say, I get to do this today. And I'm going to love every stinking minute of it. So if I fall out there, that's fine. You know, if I, um, you know, deal with things, things that happen that I wasn't planning for it to happen, um, I'm still going to love it. I'm still going to smile. I'm still going to be out there, um, you know, enjoying it. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if that really answers your question, but it's, um, it's just having that mindset of whatever happens out there today is, is what it is. And, I'm just going to, I'm going to love it anyway, the whole entire experience. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if that really answers your question, but. Yeah, well, the see, part of it is I decided there, there's several years ago I was doing a race and, and, and it, it was tough. And, and I was kind of like, when I came through the aid station, I wanted people to like, know it was tough and it was hard on me, you know, and I was tired. And I thought, you know, what good does that do? And so later on, I discovered, I said, you know, from that one, I'm just going to smile. And it's actually every thought and every action that we take in our bodies produces a chemical response. And it can be one that, that brings, um, it, it's like serotonin, it's a stress reliever, which smiling is. I mean, even if it's a poor smile like this, you know, you just like you think of something that makes you smile. And it's actually a positive thing. The opposite of that is when you get into negative, it just, it spirals down. So for me, I, I like fake it till you make it. I smile. I think about good things. I mean, you know, seeing you come in to the aid stations when uh, when the kids and I were there was um, you, know, you were smiling the whole time, and it's such a big difference seeing people coming through miserable and those that are smiling. And what's the difference, man? It is absolutely it's a choice. Everybody hurts. Everybody's tired. I'll never forget running. I was did Chief Mountain Moonshine Madness in 2011. It was a nighttime 50 miler, and I came in the aid station. Bill Potts was there, and he said. And I was, man, it was like, I wasn't used to staying up all night. Wasn't used to doing my first 50 miler. They came through and, and uh, it was halfway at 25. And he said, how you doing? I said, not good. And he said, what's wrong? I said, I'm tired. And he said, everybody's tired. Keep going. And that was, and he left. He turned around and walked away. I was like, yeah, probably everybody is tired. What did I expect? You know, when you do these things, what do you expect? You expect it to be hard. And so we tell our runners all the time, we say, you know, I can do hard things. I mean, you've got to tell yourself I can do hard things. The other part is when we think about the mental aspect of it, as hard as it is while you're out there, let me tell you, and I can tell you this because I've done it. I've done one time where I've dropped in a race and you regret it and it never goes away. So I had the conversation once with Bob Luther too. And we're talking about, you know, the things that drive you, motivation, whatever. And he said, you know, the fear of failure also has to be strong. You have to understand 
what failure means, especially when you pull yourself out of it. And it is a terrible, terrible feeling that you really never quite get over. So whatever it is, it's worth it to go to the finish line. The finish line is always worth it. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, and and it and it is. It's like I'll I'll talk about it in a second, but um, well, I guess I can talk about it now. But uh, just to keep the joy in the experience, I think it's so important. I mean, you know, we do these things because we love them. We love the training. We love the races. We love the accomplishments. And so, don't rob yourself of that joy by letting your mind stay in negative places in a race. Like if it starts to spiral out of control, you know, and you've got to train your brain to be joyful, even in those moments of pain or suffering or anxiety or doubt or whatever it is that you're having out there that, um, that, you know, that you just stay, you stay joyful in that experience because I mean, why do it? If not, if you're just miserable all the time, you know? So, um, I think that's an important thing too, is just to keep the joy in the experience. Um, you know, another thing that, that, um, that I thought about too was just to to help with people not to get overwhelmed when you're going into I'll just use the longer events because of course that's what we're talking about but is um just to break 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 the race down into sections so like don't overwhelm yourself with the distance so like you know do aid station to aid station or you know a certain number of miles whatever works for you um but I think it's a great because the way that you have this course laid out is fantastic for that. And for the mental aspect of, for the runners, because, you know, we've got it, you've got 10 mile loops. So it's already kind of broken down for you that way. You don't have to be overwhelmed by thinking, Oh, you know, I don't know if I can run 62 miles or whatever, but you just do it loop by loop. So it makes it a lot easier. And when you, um, you know, you know, when you come down off of that loop, you're coming down into this, ton of positive energy where you've got your crew, your family, your friends, support, awesome volunteers. You know, you've got all these things waiting for you every 10, you know, 10 and change miles. And so if you hit your low point out there, you don't have that much farther to go and you're going to be filled with all this positive energy. So, you know, I think the way the lace, the way the race is laid out is fantastic Um, for the mental aspect. I think of anybody who might be, thinking you know I, i'm not sure i don't know about the distance i'm you know whatever but it is it's it's a good way to to think about it and that you're just constantly going to be filled with that positive energy you know every 10 miles every loop so it's just a great way to to do it i think so i'm looking forward to that i think it's going to be awesome so well and you know, then you've got your a station which is right at halfway too. And so, you know, it's really, it's, it's consumable bites. It's five mile sections. And we do that all the time in, in these events. It's eight station to eight station. What does it take to get me to the next one? And I just keep picking off eight stations until there's no more eight stations. Yeah. That's a finish line to come. Yeah. 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 I think this is going to be the best, the best uh, crew central though for, for a race. It's going to be great. Cause you know, there's going to be so Hope much, so. So much going on, so much positive energy. So it'd be great. It's great yeah. too, you know, because you get to see the runners so many times. You don't have to move around and all different places. You're just right there. So I think it'd be great. So yeah. What else do you have for us? Anything else on the mental aspect? I'm going to ask Cody and Aaron if they want to. Um, 
anything too, because this is such an important aspect of, of the running. It, we, we train physically, but on race day, it, it's our minds that hold us up, you know, because, and, I, and I'll tell you this, I'll have some people, several people have told me they're, you know, they're, they're waiting to see how their training goes before they sign up for this race. And I want to say to them, you can't do that. You're never going to feel adequate for a hundred K because you're only going to train up to doing 25, 30 miles, maybe a 50 K training run. And on race day, you just got to gut it out. But amazing things happen on race day. You will never feel adequate coming into one of these races. It is all about making it happen on race day and, and figuring out how to get it done. So if you're waiting to see if you're going to be ready for 62, the only way you know if you're going to be ready, you have to do 62. <laughs> it's the only way to find out. Yeah. Cody, Aaron, you guys have anything to add to the, the mental aspect of this? Yeah, I'll, I'll add one thing. I learned this from from you, Matthew. I thought that this was super good whenever you told me about it. And, and maybe it's already been touched on a little bit, but when you're doing these long events, um, you know, you have a tendency to fall into this, this the, the finish line is forever away. Well, the finish line is not forever away. And you don't have to do this forever. And you don't have to feel this suffering or this pain even forever. You just got to do it right now. That's it. And to wrap your mind around just right now is so much easier than trying to wrap your mind around forever. So um, when when you first said that to me is that we just got to do this right now. I, I think it may have been at Kikapen last year. I was like, that's good stuff. Yeah, we just got to do this right now. And before you know it, because we always talk about these things about when you get to the end, you're like, that went fast. And you're like, you know, I just got to do this right now. And before you know it right now is you're done. So that's, that's one other thing that could help you um, when you're amongst the mental anguish and battle out there. Yeah, that's, um, that's a line I'd say all the time to myself is I don't have to do it forever. I just have to do it for now. And, and that now, it, like Anne Marie said, you tend to have those highs and lows, and, and the lows tend to be on uphill sections when you're maybe not feeling that good and when it's hot and it gets cooler and you go downhill and things get better for that too. So I don't have to do it forever. I just have to do it for now. Aaron, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I think that we, we heard uh, a nugget in Anne Marie's response there that we don't give enough gravity to, and that is we get to do this. You know, this is, uh, it's easy to take it for granted, you know, when your alarm goes off early in the morning and you don't want to get out of that comfortable bed, but man, it's, if anyone's been doing this long enough, they've probably been injured and, you know, haven't been able to, to get out and, and I crave that. I mean, it's just something that's a part of me and, and it's more than just, a, uh, you know, exercise but it's also the community with my with my friends that uh you know is is healthy so um i think we gotta keep it in perspective we we have a great opportunity and, and we're blessed to be able to get out and and participate in, in things like this um but also that we can do really hard things and and i i never would have imagined i would have uh, completed a, a 50k 10 years ago or a 55k this past weekend and those are numbers that have been foreign to me uh and probably and 
until I met you, Matt, because I think peer pressure is a part of this too to get uh, convinced uh, to do um, hard things. But regardless, in my office, I have a, a little spot behind my beside my desk that I have a few a few race bibs, and it's not uh, to show off that I, I did things, but it's a reminder to myself that. Um, uh, I, I was able to go beyond what I thought I could, and and a lot of that was due to the help of my, of my friends and um, others along the way. Like Cody said, listen to advice of, of experienced people, um, see how that fits in with what your abilities are, but uh, um, also uh, you know having good pacers and people to, that would sacrifice a, a, a their fast race to hang back in the pack with you, um, that has helped me gain that confidence that I could go after that next goal. And, uh, and I've, uh, I've, I've taken a couple opportunities to do that myself, and that feels good. Um, this uh, 100K, it will be the first race that I've participated in on the Meeks Mountain Trails, which is a fantastic trail system. We've been out there a lot. We put a lot of miles out there, and and I live less than a mile away. But I've been able to uh, participate in aid stations and supporting some races out there. And I can tell you, that's a that's a great part of this running community yeah, too, yeah. is to to be able to help others uh, achieve their goals and. Um, it's a lot less painful too. That's good. <laughs> but I think, but I think we we need to touch bases on a couple of things, and and one of those is back to you, Matt. Is purge and move on. Yeah. We're wearing these shirts. Say, team purge and move on. But I think the the listeners need a good explanation of, of where that came from. Oh, uh, team purge and move on. I mean, that's that that's our team name, and I. Actually, as soon as the registration was open, I signed this team up. And so we would have a relay team. Um, but again, they are still the team to beat. But so this came from two years ago. Cody and I were in Kakapan and we were doing so Kakapan, a great race, 12 hour race, and it's five mile loops. You do as many five mile loops as you can in that 12 hours. And he said some people kind of go the whole time. We were going the whole time and got towards the end of the day. Now, this was, it's, it's in July. And it was 85 in the morning when we started at 7 a.m. And it got up to 97 that day. And it was it was the year of, <coughs> of COVID. So it was um, no crew, no support. You basically were doing it all on your own. And and so, you know, it's like when it, when it gets hot and it gets long and it gets and it gets hard, the, tum- the stomach tends to go south. And so I was on my my last loop of the day and I, it was after the 11th hour and I wasn't that far from the finish going up this hill and I just lost it. Everything I've been nauseous the, you know, for about the past hour and I just lost it and emptied my stomach and just kept dry heaving. And this young lady came up behind me and she was like, Hey, you okay. Do you need anything? I was like, I'm fine. Just go on. I don't need anything. I've got water. I've got this. I said, I'm okay. I don't need anything, but I'm going to stay and make sure you're all right. Finally, please leave i'm okay it's so about that time she left and i was hurling again and another lady came up from behind michaela and she, all she said to me was urge and move on I was like i'm trying and that was it <laughs> move on so in these things 
you're probably going to get sick. If you do enough of them, if it gets hot enough, if it gets long enough, you're probably going to get sick. It's not the end of the world. You throw up, you empty your stomach, you feel better, and you move on. And that, that's the end of it. And it that too also passes. I've also learned at times where if I start to get that way, um, you know, sometimes you just have to make yourself do it because it'll get better. As soon as, as, soon as you empty, it gets better. It's a little gross. It's a little nasty, but you just got to do what you have to do. You know, Aaron, you're talking about kind of, we were out for a run. It wasn't long ago. Um, I think it was um, Jason had a friend in from town and was trying to recruit him to come in and do this, you know, to do the the 100K. And I think, you know, you all said, oh, here's what happens when you hang out with, with Matthew, you get talked into stuff. But I said, look, man, all I'm trying to do is live up to his potential. That's all. I, I think that these things are so much fun and they're good and he's going to enjoy it. I, my job is to help people live up to their human. Okay? So that's, that's part of my lot in life, which means running long distances. And it's a good thing, right? Does anybody? Yeah, I think, I think uh, another point is with great disasters, with great disasters come even better stories later. That we can laugh about. <laughs> and we have. Yeah, so and we maybe next time we'll talk about your sniping event, but we'll leave it for another day. So please. So who's team captain of this team, anyways? Aaron. Aaron? Yeah. We'll make Aaron. Aaron. So let, let's talk about your strategy for, for race day. I mean, how are you guys, how are you going to do this? Are you, you've, you've, we've kind of talked a little bit about an order and, you're going to do both of your laps at once. You're going to alternate. You're going to, you know, start in the morning late. Tell me what, tell me what you have planned here. Well, the plan is we haven't got a plan yet because we're just now talking about (laughs) (laughs) the four of us haven't been in the same room or on the same call yet. So we're going to hash this out and where everyone can see it, I guess. But I think uh, at this point I'm weighing towards, uh, getting it all out at once and, you know, two laps each. And I'll, I'll vote to take the first lap. And then uh, Anne-Marie can go. And then Cody is left with the cleanup. Yeah. You got to make up for all that we got behind. He's, he's the, that's what they call the anchor. It's always the fastest one. And he goes last. So I'm glad you came to that on your own. That's what I was going to tell you you had to do anyways. <laughs> Executive loops. I think taking a loop off in between personally, I want to I want to go. I don't want to get stiff. I want to get it done. I want to get my fueling and then finish, come back and cheer and hang out. And I do not want to have to go back out there after I've gotten nice and comfy with a stomach full of pizza and having fun at that command center and the, and the aid station. It's going to be a good time there, I think, the way we have have it laid out with crew and family and support and movies and a campfire after dark and bluegrass music and ice cream coming in, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a great time for those people. And I'm kind of, you know, for, for those of you that are doing the, the relay, I think you've got a great day ahead. You get some good hard running in, you get a lot of enjoyment in there too. Well, guess want to wrap it up. Any final comments for the good of the order and the good of the listeners out there that may still be on your mind that you want to share? Find out if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got a lot of time. I mean, the, the course is marked. 
you can go out and practice right now. And we got how long to get to get ready still? Even you get twenty miles under your belt. Get a couple of friends, have a good time. It's a great opportunity. It is, man. It's going to be a great time for all of you listening out there. We thank you for tuning into this. Hopefully, you made it to the end of it. But we do have the inaugural first ever Hurricane 100K coming to you on September 10, 2022. Again, some great sponsors. Thank you to the City of Hurricane. Thank you to Little Caesars. Thank you to all of our um, MMTA and on behalf of our events team, Ashley, Brandon, Hager, Stewart, Robert, Vanessa. Thank you, and we'll see you out there.